0: Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year, will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th. 2022 in Verona, Italy. This year will be an exclusively in-person edition. The main theme of the event will be all-round wine communication and tickets are on sale now. The first early bird discount will be available until August 22nd. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net.
1: Wine Podcast, a wine-to-wine Business Forum 2021 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions highlighting the key themes and ideas from the two-day event held on October the 18th and 19th. 2021. This hybrid edition of the Business Forum was jam-packed with the most informed speakers discussing some of the hottest topics in the wine industry today. For more information, please visit winetowine.net and tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central European Time for more episodes recorded during this latest edition of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Good afternoon to everybody. I'm uh, Luis Battistello, Italian Wine Ambassador, and uh, it's a big pleasure to moderate this discussion with Bernardo Pinto. Uh, Bernardo will tell, will tell, will make make us an update uh, about the Brazilian market after Bolsonaro and COVID-19. It's a pleasure to talk with you, Bernardo. And uh, so I would like to briefly introduce Bernardo to, uh, to our audience. Oh, well, Bernardo is studied, studied gastronomy in Brazil. He is a specialist in wine and spirits uh, by the WSCT in London. He was the first person in Latin America to obtain the WSCT diploma in wines and spirits. She is the, he is the technical director at Zahiu Wines in Sao Paulo. He manages the company's portfolio. He also lectures publicity courses and consults for companies and private consumers in Brazil. Bernardo is also an official Sherry Educator and a Vinitaly International Academy Ambassador, as well as part of the body of the Institute of Masters of Wine since 2012. So uh, um, welcome to this panel, Bernardo. I, I'm sure you have lots of things to tell uh, about the Brazilian market. Right now, about uh, the changements and the habits uh, of consumers, how things change uh, related to uh, to the government, to the politics, or to you know the new habits after COVID. So, please tell us about your your subject, and uh, I'll be moderating the questions for our for our uh, our guests. Thank so you, the-
2: can you hear me? Is it, yes. is it okay?
1: Yes.
2: okay? It is okay. Great, great to meet you, man. Finally, yeah. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> Hi everyone. Good morning. Um, so this is a follow up on a session we did three years ago uh, when I was in Verona. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to come this year due to COVID restrictions, and uh, I I did prepare. Some slides for you to see. I actually have enough things to say for about a week of presentations, but we only have 30 minutes. So I have to be quick and I hope I can uh, convey uh, a little bit um, about our situation here in Brazil. Uh, I was planning, I am planning not to get very political, so I, I don't want to discuss the political situation. I'm going to focus on the wine side of things, of the economical side of things a little bit. But the idea is to update whoever saw the last session and inform whoever wasn't able to attend in 2018. There you go. You have my first screen there. So uh, three years ago, it was we were talking about how Brazil can be an alluring country in many ways. But when you talk about business, when you talk about wine civic, there are many pitfalls, many difficulties, many obstacles and we focused on the fact that it is a, it's not a poor country, but we have many poor people, and nevertheless, there are many opportunities so I'm gonna give you a tour and an update because then we were about to see the elections and the results of the elections and we were very uncertain about the results and of course uh, never mind the elections because then came COVID and things changed a lot so I hope I can give you some insights I just wanted to thank One Intelligence for the data they provided Uh, there was a lot of data in 2018 and they updated the the key facts for me this year through Rodrigo Lanari who is their uh, manager here in Brazil and why next his company? But I'm also going to show you some uh, very specific data provided by Ideal Consulting. They audit um, duty uh, numbers, they, they audit the, the importation numbers in Brazil. So it's quite precise. Let's go to basic numbers. So we, we are about 200 million people in Brazil from which about 140 million adults, so uh, potential wine consumers, it's quite a lot of people. We have been downgraded in the last years from eighth to 13th economy in the world, uh, which is sad, but a little bit, it was predicted. We we could see that coming. Uh, we've been going through a role, well, we live in a in a constant roller coaster in Brazil in many ways, uh, specifically politically and economically speaking. So we've been downgraded, but nevertheless it's the 13th economy in the world. It's quite a, a powerhouse. Uh, it's a huge country as you you will see. and just recently wine intelligence announced Brazil to be the 14th most attractive wine market in the world and i I think and I hope you see why in the next uh, few minutes. Um, we last year, according to the Al, they they collated data from imported wines and nationally made, and locally made wines. We consumed about fifty-five million cases, nine-liter cases of wine, which is not something to uh, discard. And thirty percent, about thirty percent of that was imported wine, and and that's a very important information, bit of information because that's. That's quite a lot of wine, but it's also uh, an indicative that there's a lot of space to grow, and uh we're looking to it. There are, in fact, many obstacles, as many of you probably know already, and I'm going to focus on focus on those four main issues. Uh I was well. I have good news, news and bad news for you. I'm going to go through the bad news first, so we can end with the. Uh, a sweet finish on the palette and not a bitter one. And uh, if anyone has questions, you can use the platform on SwapCard. You can send us the questions on the live discussion on SwapCard, and Luis will make sure I, I answer your questions. So, main obstacles first one is decreased purchasing power. Um, we have been seeing the, the devaluation of the Real, it has been steep. And uh, the GDP grows very slowly. We had a few years of negative growth. And, uh, well, I'm talking about the last 10 years or so here. And maybe someone from Europe look at our numbers and very, very small GDP growth. And they go, well, it's about the same here. And why, why, why worry? Well, we're not a formed economy. We're in full motion. We do not have all of our uh, ground covered the cities are very concentrated in some areas. I'll I'll make sure you can see it. And uh slow GDP growth is, is very painful for us. So it it's being very costly. Things are getting very expensive. And if you consider the average income in Brazil, which is relatively low, well it is low. It's about four hundred and sixty dollars per month. There is uh, there isn't Many people who can actually relatively many people who can actually afford drinking wine. Uh, If we look at the whole 200 million inhabitants, it's a tiny percentage of the population. But good news in a in a in a while. Um, Well, when when that's when when I talk about 55 million cases, you have to consider that's why you have to consider. there is a lot of people who cannot afford imported wines. So in those 55 million cases, we have about 60% that are actually non-Vinifera wines made locally in Brazil. So most of the wine consumed in Brazil is uh, American varieties, table grapes turned into wine. And they're obviously not very, not exactly refined. And they do not talk about place. They do not talk about, uh, they do not, exactly um, able to match with food. They're just some alcoholic, very sweet drink that people can have for very uh, little money. Uh, nevertheless, in the last year specifically, vinifera wine, Brazilian vinifera wine gained ground against non vinifera wine. Uh, it was uh, an important increase in vinifera made wine by the local producers. Whereas imported wine decreased just slightly, so we kept importing wine. We are selling more vinifera Brazilian vinifera wine, and people keep drinking, of course, non-vinifera wine because it costs. Uh, it's very cheap, and uh, most of people can only afford that. So this is a an interesting graphic, an interesting table. It shows you how uh, our economy impacts the the wine trade. So you can see. Let me turn on my laser here. Luis, are you following this? Did did you know about this? So we're going from 2014 to 2021. And this is the exchange rate against the dollar. So 2 to 35 per dollar in 2014. And today, well, as of Friday, I didn't check today how how the market opened. It's only 10 a.m. So, uh... On last Friday, we were at five forty-six. It's over hundred and thirty percent increase in uh, value for the dollar against the, the real. And uh, you can see huge leaps sometimes, like last year. And uh, that in that the line below is the impact or the actual FOB price for nine-liter cases in average for each year. And you can see that there is an impact. So when the the market's relatively constant and stable, there is some stability in price. And we try and after uh, after a couple of years of stability or at least exchange rate stability, we get on our feet and we get the prices rising again. We get better wines coming in, but then things happen and the prices go low. And last year was. Quite low, so you can see most of the wine imported was at less than twenty-five dollars per nine-liter case. And this year we saw already. This is year-to-date, so just up to August, we saw a slight increase again. And had we had more stability, either due to government government issues or COVID or whatever, had we had a lot uh, better stability, I'm sure we would be seeing much better numbers here. And um, that's because, you will see, we are actually quite involved with with wine in Brazil. This is uh, another interesting study by Ideal Consulting, um, where they split the the imported wines in ranges. So you can see the bulk of imported wine is below $35 per case. F.O.B., and almost the half of those are below nineteen dollars per case. So most of what we drink is still
1: quite cheap wine. It, and the wines. Excuse me, Yeah, go on. Yeah, so if I can make a comment. So the 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 last graphic you showed us is uh, a you see the evolution of the currency, so uh, you know versus uh, the U.S. dollar, and then the average price of a nine, nine liters case decreasing. Yeah. So uh, that being said, can we um, state that importers, and you know very well the importer situation in Brazil because you are yeah. the director of an important importer. We're looking for alternatives or wines that will be commercially more viable to uh, diminish the impact of the currency for the markets.
2: Thanks, Luis. That's a very good question, question because it is, uh, first and foremost, what happens every time we have a devaluation of the of the currency. So everyone tries to adapt, because people, if they spend, I don't know, 50 reais a bottle, they will keep spending 50 reais a bottle. So we have to provide, or maybe they will go lower. We have to provide them with something at the price range, price level they are willing to pay. So, yes, we go out and we try to find something that is suitable as in uh, quality, at least a little bit of quality and try to keep the pricing highs the same. Of course, that means lowering the the FOB price, the export price from from Origin. Uh, But also, uh, a lot of new players are coming in. So, last year we had an increase of 17% in number of importers in Brazil. There's like something like 550 importers in Brazil. Wow. It's, it's quite a lot, yes, it's quite a lot. And some of those guys are actually looking for niche wines, very high quality, so they can sell to their niche public. We'll, we'll be looking into that. But also some of those guys are huge companies, the dot-com companies trying to reach the largest audience possible. And what they do is they bring in a lot of relatively or very cheap wine yeah so the that's e-com- e-commerce you mean the e-commerce yes yes so we'll'll we'll, we'll see we'll see that let's go back to the number is that is that okay as an answer yeah yes perfect okay so going back to those numbers you could see yes we we, we have uh, we had a huge increase in the cheapest in the base uh, of the pyramid of the price pyramid and we had a marked decrease in the in the most expensive wines. But then I have to comment that last year, everyone was quite afraid. We, we were uncertain. We didn't know what, what was going to happen. So everyone stopped on track. And they said, well, let's wait a little bit. And then they started again buying. And they were buying the cheapest wines because everything was getting very expensive. And we didn't know what was going to happen. But then people realized that uh, one, the the average consumer, the, the, the guy who actually drinks expensive wine, was not traveling because those people travel quite often either for work or for leisure, for their vacation. And they go to New York and they buy wine. They go to London and buy wine. They go to Italy and they visit producers and they go to, to the wine shops in Italy and they buy wine. And they bring in, bring in their very expensive bottles when they're traveling. And they might not buy those wines in Brazil. But since they were not traveling, many people started buying the expensive wines again in Brazil. And many importers restarted importing their expensive wines just too late in the year or in the first months of uh, 2021. So we will see a change in that in the future. I don't know what's going to happen again now that the Brazilians are traveling, but we will see. Well, we will see. You
1: wanted to say something, Luis? Uh, yes. Uh, according, for example, the premium wine category, you were saying oh, people were not traveling, they were not getting uh, the wines directly from their sources, from their wine shops or from, from the wineries. Uh, and, and Brazil is a country where you are allowed to bring quite a reasonable amount of of alcohol with you as a traveler. Well, what? Which is something six, that's, 16
2: liters, 12 bottles. 16 liters. Oh no, yeah. no, no! I'm sorry. Twelve liters, sixteen bottles. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, which is is an an exception in in many countries because you go to the U.S. You can take two bottles. It is much more restrict. And this for for the for Brazil, uh, how can that impact for the imports? For example, for the importers, how can the importers deal with that? If you if you are um, for the premium category, how? I imagine that you know the wines brought to the market were of a lower FOB price. Uh, for you as an importer, how difficult it is to deal with you know premium wines in Brazil is a sector that can develop more because we saw a drop of minus nine percent.
2: We do definitely need to make sure it will develop because uh, well those are the wines that we actually have something to tell about. They have stories behind them. They have a sense of place. They actually pay the producers well. So that's a, a key category for the future. And we'll see, well, we have been seeing price is key in Brazilian market. So when we have a producer that sells us uh, wine for the same price that someone can buy the wine in the U.S., for instance, I'm buying for the Brazilian market at the same price an individual can buy on shelf. In New York, for instance, and that happens, it's it's basically brewing into category in Brazil. So people can't travel all the all the time. They can't bring in that many bottles because, well, yes, yeah, sixteen bottles is a lot. But then again, there's a cap on on how much you can bring in, as in price. You can only bring in uh, uh, officially. Uh, that's five hundred dollars. So 16 bottles divided or $500 divided in 1600, uh, 16 bottles isn't that much. So people come in with their precious bottles, but then when they have to get to give a gift, when they have to, I don't know, organize a dinner and they have to open many bottles, I don't know, they're going to need to buy those bottles here. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to offer the best service and the best price possible. Yeah. We're making all we can to do the best service. But there is only so much we can do when it comes to price, and we will see it right after. So,
0: Are you enjoying this podcast? There is so much more high-quality wine content available for Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps or books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, and much, much more. Just visit our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now, back to the show. The
2: next step in the obstacles is the geography. It's a huge country. It's as huge as Europe. And, uh, well, it's as huge as many countries together, uh, many big countries combined. It's quite a huge place. And we have a large coast. It's about 7,000 kilometers of coast. So from from the northeastern, actually, the, the north down to southern Brazil, there's this coast with many ports. And the wine that comes in comes mostly through sea, even if it's coming from Argentina, Uruguay and Chile. Most of it comes through sea. Some of it comes through land. Uh, and then we have to distribute everything throughout the country. Of course, the main cities are all based on the, on the coast and the richest states. I'll show you. This is our GDP per state, uh, colored, colored, uh, colored key. Um, and you can see Sao Paulo, the darkest one, is the richest state. Southeastern and southern Brazil are the, rich, the richest richer, uh, richest, regions. And northeastern and, and uh, everything that we have uh, inland are poorer and less, most importantly, less uh, densely populated. So most of the wine will be drunk in the coastline, specifically in the southeastern area. But then again, there's a lot of opportunity and we have been manage, managing to uh, better distribute um, uh, wealth and to increase the industries and services in other areas. So there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of um, work to do in land in Brazil. And we've been doing that as, as importers and producers. Go
1: on, I'm sorry. Uh, did, have you have you noticed uh, an increase of consumption in in a specific area of Brazil during the pandemic or after COVID? Uh, not necessarily
2: during the pandemic, but that's something that has been happening for a few years now. So when we look at that that map, let's go back to the map for in, for a minute. Uh, the traditional. Uh, thank you. The traditional areas for wine importing and consumption are uh, São Paulo, Rio, maybe Paraná, Rio Grande do Sul, mm-hmm. which is the main producer, wine producer uh, in Brazil. But the great opportunities, the new opportunities are for sure in the northeastern area and in some cities in the northern area and some cities in, inland, in the in the yes. center of the country. Yes, we've been seeing a lot of interest growth. And we've been doing a lot of work in, in uh, better communicating wine in those regions and trying to raise the bar there with the price levels and the quality levels. And it, it has been working. There's a lot of, of space to work in those areas just because very few people did the job in those areas. So, yes, not, not due to the pandemic or the, the COVID uh, crisis, but as a natural um, development. The country mm-hmm. has been more open to wine. Okay. Good. So, yeah. Uh, next uh, obstacle is the bureaucracy, and here, it, well, this is a key issue for producers. It's quite complicated. It changes all the time, and obviously, the government is not trying to make easier for uh, us to work with imports or for exporters to send their products in Brazil. So. Our certificate of origin and the analysis documents have specific formats. You need to do things like the government wants you to do, and not everyone is ready to do this. So you need to, to have a clear idea, understand how you have to to do this. And uh, when you send your wines to, to to the labs to make analysis, and you you want to send them to Brazil, you have to send them to labs that oh, there are actually authorized by the Brazilian government. There's quite a lot a lot of restrictions there. Uh, They require digital and print versions. You have to have all the print documents uh, uh, at hand uh, in order to nationalize the wines. There are way too many steps and nothing is very clear. Every year we have changes in the regulations. For instance, last year, they required everything to be tied with the lot numbers. So when you send a performer to Brazil to confirm your interest in uh, sending the wines. That performer has to have the lot numbers uh, of the actual wines that you're going to send. And that's not obvious because many times the wines are not even bottled yet. So everything has to be very well orchestrated. So, in order for you to get your product into Brazil, organics have a, a specific law. Well, we can't do anything we want. The Brazilian government wants the the certification they have produced with their own uh, certificating bodies, etc. I'm going to speed this up because I think we're yeah. going to run out of time. And labeling is very specific. So you need to have a partner in Brazil. You can't just do things and then sell them to whomever is buying because oftentimes the wines are going to be blocked uh, uh, at port because you don't have things uh, properly made. The tax, well, I I don't, I don't I'm not even going to go deep into this. But you can see from the numbers, there's quite a lot of the taxes. They're applied over each order and over cost and trade. And in some states, because each state have, has their own um, uh, taxes, in some states, the, the, the VAT, our VAT version, the ICMS, can go up to 77% on top of everything. So one can be very, very expensive, and you can understand why not so many people are going to drink wine. But then the good news was the true potential we have, because not, not that many people is relative to the whole uh, population, but there's quite a lot of people who drink wine. Wine intelligence considers 39 million regular wine drinkers in the Brazilian market. Um, I wouldn't say that's regular, because they consider it to be whoever drinks one bottle per month of wine as a regular drinker. But, okay, statistically, those are regular drinkers. Uh, and that number has been increasing a lot. So, in 2010, they were 20, we were 22 million people. So It's a huge, it's a, a very steep increase in regular wine drinkers. From those, and I don't have the, the latest numbers because I, I don't know if they did this research last year, but in 2016, when we had 32 million, uh, just about 32 million people who were regular wine drinkers, 23 of those drank imported wine. So it's not only about the uh, non-vitis vinifera grape wine that we make here. Um, and, and while on top of that, 12 million people are weekly consumers of imported wine, or oh, were in 2016. So that's that's quite a lot of people who actually have the money, who actually have the interest, and I'm going to show you, uh, they're highly involved, according to Wine Intelligence again, Uh, Last year, about half of those were in uh, averagely involved wine. And that means they do understand what they're drinking. They're trying to find new things. They try to understand the label. You're not just opening a bottle and drinking. They're trying to better understand the product and and they're going after new products. And as you can see from WSET numbers, in 10 years, we had more than 8,000 exams applied in Brazil. There are two APPs. In 2018 only, there were uh, 1,200 exams applied in this year. It's more than 4,000. I have information from the two two APPs, different APPs. So from one, 4,000 unique students in 10 years. And that means people who are actually investing heavy money in better understanding wine. Very few of those people are actually professionals. Most of those guys are wine lovers, and maybe they'll turn into professionals. Oftentimes, they do become professionals. We have four of your ambassadors with Louise, who is based in, in France. France. We have five Brazilians who are mm-hmm. actually ambassadors for Italian wine. And that's, I think, very good news. And for Italians in particular, le belle notizie per gli italiani. Siamo un paese d'Italiani. We're about 500,000 Italians. Well, I mean, Italian citizens who are registered, uh, living in Brazil, but just under 30 million people from Italy, direct Italian descent. Who actually make sure you know they go telling? Oh well, I am from Italian descent. I'm going to drink wine from the region from where my grandpa, mm-hmm. my grandfather, or my great grandfather came from. And they are actually looking to, they're trying to get in touch with their roots. And we are, in fact, an emerging market, but with strong roots in um, in European culture. We have the second large, largest largest um, uh, called Italian colony call in the world. The largest German colony in the world, of course, the largest Portuguese colony in the world, one of the largest Spanish colonies outside of uh spanish speaking countries, so we are very we're quite tight with Europe, and we are very interested in wine and those are very good news. Just a quick look into the numbers from last year's last year this is twenty twenty duty paid so this is wine that actually went into Brazil. It's not sitting in the port, it was not declared as coming to Brazil, this, this came through. And Chile and Argentina are always on top. Chile overcame Argentina some years ago and stayed there. It's about half of what we drink. It comes from Chile. Argentina and Portugal are the next ones. And I have to say, they're the next ones because they invest a lot in the market. There's a lot of events of Argentina from Argentina and Portugal. Portugal gained a lot of ground in the last few years, organizing tastings, and events and fairs and all sorts of things to make sure they were going to be third and even second. They they surpassed Argentina just for a little bit in the last two years. Uh, whereas Europe uh, last year gained a lot of ground. Italy lost a little bit, but I have to say this was good because most of the volume that went down here is Lambrusco and very cheap Lambrusco, not the good quality one. And uh, there was uh, the value was sustained, so it's relatively good. France had been losing ground, so this is very good for France. Last year was very good
1: for France. You you're going to ask, please. Um, yes, do you uh, concerning to Italian wines specifically? For example, uh, we see that you were mentioning that you know Lambrusco low uh, commercial Lambrusco were losing ground, and then Italy is minus three point five percent. Uh, do you think Brazilians are still very traditional in their choice for Italian wine, or some people are starting to change and look, look looking for different regions, different grapes, other things? Because we know that Brunello di Montalcino, Barolo is, are still uh, Amarone, the major type of wines people will, will buy in Brazil. Do, do you see consumers going to other things? When
2: we talk about the very Highest level of wine, of course, Barolo, uh, Super Tuscan,s everything. They those wines are uh, they dominate. But well, if any of you are able to get your hands on the researchers from Wine Intelligence, they talk a lot about how people are adventurers, how they're willing to try new things. So statistically, statistically, we are very tied to the traditional names and even to the. Uh, maybe to the lowest prices, of course. But people are willing to try and discover. All we need to do is connect those people and and make sure they're going to be able to try those wines in a proper way also. It's not just about sending the wine. We have to prepare the terrain. We have to talk. We have to present it. You you all know that because you've been doing that. Uh, I mean, you producers who are watching us, you've been doing that in other countries. And when you did it in Brazil, if you're Italian, in the past, there was a lot of investment from Italy in Brazil. When you did it, the numbers went up. When you stopped mm. doing it, because Italy and France, France is even worse, but, but you stopped doing it, and who went up? Who, Portugal. Who was actually mm-hmm. doing and kept doing it and is doing it right now today, yesterday, today, tomorrow, this week is Portugal week in Brazil. There's a lot of events online, most of them, because we're still Uh, quite uncertain about uh, safety, health safety, but uh, they're doing a lot and they're going up and up and up with the numbers. Mm. And not only with the low prices, they're going up with premium wines as well. So there is a lot of space. Okay, Uh, I'll go back because there's just a few uh, slides left and uh, we don't have much time. I don't know if we we have questions, please. Did you check?
1: No, not for the moment. All
2: right. So, how do Brazilians drink wine? Uh, we have a weather and a gastronomy that actually are very they require they al- they almost demand white and rose wines, but we drink reds we have we have this culture of the red wine and we drink reds but I have to say these numbers very recently updated so from last year they are very good in that way. We used to be importing eighty five to eighty eight percent of red wines. So there was a, an important increase. La- the last time I did this session in white to wine, this was 82%. So there was a marked increase in, in rosé and in white. It was from 7% from 3% last time and 17% from five, uh, 15% last time. So uh, we've been discovering white wine and rosé wine, and that's also due to the, the increased quality of those wines throughout the world. But our food demands white wine. Our weather demands white wine most of the time. and uh, and yet people drink red wine. You have to sell red wine, but you have to communicate white and rosé so you can contribute to that uh, increased growth uh, of wines that actually work better in, in our weather and, and with our food. And uh, you can see how people uh, buy the wines here. Most people buy the wines in supermarkets. So this, this doesn't add up. So they asked, where do you buy wine often? Or, where did you buy wine in the last six months? people could answer a whole uh, range of um, uh, options. So supermarkets, 85%. Wine specialists, 30%. And this is a very important number. 30% online is quite a huge amount when we compare to other countries. If I'm not wrong, Brazil is the second uh, country in uh, online penetration for wine just after China. Or the third maybe with the US. I can't recall clearly. But you... you you can try and look up. We, well, the people who actually buy wine are people affluent. They have money. They I, use uh, the, the, the technology, the money, the the computers. So they, we we are quite connected. We buy online, and there's a whole other range of ways to buy your wine. But this does not coincide with how people how how the wine gets imported in Brazil. So this is from Ideal, and you can see almost half of the imports are from wine specialists, importers who will afterwards resell the wine to supermarkets, to restaurants, to everyone, even directly. And uh, about a third are the supermarkets, and they are very stable. They tend to put a lot of pressure on price, of course, but they are quite stable. This uh, division, this uh, pie, changes quite a bit according to what's going on with the economy. So when the mm. rail evaluates, supermarkets tend to buy a little less. Importers tend to keep buying, and the dot com, of course, is a relatively recent uh, type of importer. They've been around for ten years or so, and they have, together with Vina Conchiglione, you can see the power that the powerhouse that Chile is. Um, they have about uh, a fifth of the imports, uh, um,
1: volumes. Uh, Bernardo, I have a question for you, but it's exactly in this in this uh, subject of uh, you know the the distribution of wine and the buy. The question is from Andre Ribeirinho. Oh, so, uh, a, good friend. A, yeah, thanks for the presentation. Very good information. Brazil is one of the early adopter of wine e-commerce. Could you elaborate on how the situation is at the, is at the moment between retail? And the e commerce, how is the e commerce now? And you know, between these different uh, levels of distribution,
2: Luis, you con- I, I don't know if it was yours or mine connection, but I, I missed the first
1: part of the question. Can you repeat that, please? Yeah, the, the question is could you elaborate on yeah. how the situation is at the moment between retailers, importers, and marketplaces? concerning to wine e-commerce?
2: I'm not sure how to answer that, André. Uh, Just trying to figure out what what was the uh, um, the key question. André is
1: saying that Brazil is in in the early stages of the distribution online. And uh, actually, in fact, Brazil had a big increase in the basis of uh, new e-commerce consumers. It's it's quite convenient to receive your, your box of wine at home. And I think people were more interested and less intimidated. I think Brazilians, a lot of people sure. feel still intimidated. People were feeling yeah. comfortable at home of receiving their bottles and spending the budget they have. Because we have we can I think it's something that you know most of the the, the market in Brazil uh, is dormant. And these people maybe they are not able to spend 80 Reais, but they can spend 30, but they don't want to go to the shop and say that they only can spend 30 euros, 30 uh, Reais. Uh, so e-commerce is really changing uh, the, the habits. You know, as, uh, do you think this will, will grow, will develop? I am, I'm will most rate? sure it will. Uh,
2: well, you can see here. Well, we don't have proper statistics on how the wine is sold on the market. You can only guess or adapt and uh, infer from the this, quite, this kind of uh, researches uh, or queries by wine intelligence. So you can see uh, 30% of people do buy online. And this has been increasing, and I'm sure it's going to increase. Uh, first and foremost, because Luis is right, people are uh, intimidated. So it's easier to buy online, and you don't have to face no one. You don't have to face the sommelier or the wine seller with the questions and with the, how do you like your wine? People don't know how they like the wine, their wines. So they, they will go online, they find the price and they will buy it whenever they want. So it has been growing. Marketplaces, so I, I can see the, the questions and the compliment to the questions now. Marketplaces are growing a lot. And uh, well, I've been involved in setting up marketplaces in the last six months. And I think next year there will be maybe too many marketplaces.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll
2: see way way too many people selling wine through marketplaces, and then of course there will be some sort of a rearrangement, and we'll see who who will stick. Uh, but yes, everything is working, and I think it's going to be it's it will grow even more. If, if you think that this year, um, one dot com dot br reached first first uh, place amongst importers in Brazil. So they sell almost exclusively online. They've been investing in, uh, in uh, physical uh, wine shops, but they sell almost exclusively online and they reached number one. They are now number one importer in Brazil. Wow, it's yeah. going to be massive.
1: It's, going to it's be very massive. promising. It's, it, it will just increase and increase. So, but is, this, Brazil is a country where transportation and logistics are very complicated, so maybe the online shopping uh, they, habits they should
2: they should help yeah it is easy
1: and so i'm i'm
2: gonna go i'm I'm gonna speak through this yeah. uh, you can see later i'll I'll uh, make this available to everyone, so how they how do we select our wine, but and go directly to the takeaways so we can close the session because it's time. so we have strong economic disparity, there is nevertheless a huge potential of tens of millions of consumers. Um, There is already a large base of consumers. Those tens of millions already drink wine. We only need them to get better involved and drink more or better wine. Uh, There are huge proxy and taxes. You have to have a good middleman. You have to have a good partner. and That means someone who will guide you through the market. It's quite complex and it changes all the time and it's a mess. So you have to have someone you trust so you can work with. And there's, of course, a strong cultural ties. But we have to work together to develop the wine culture. How can you fare better than the competition? Yeah. So, first and foremost, pay attention to the documentation and legal requirements. Get some help by the local importer, by someone you pay in Brazil, I don't know. But figure it out and avoid the very high costs of not having your product going straight into the market. Work um, on the label and image. That's very directly related to how people buy wine in Brazil. Uh, very traditional labels are getting more and more behind the up and new think, coming. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you Bernardo, for you
1: oh. your label. Yeah. Yeah. We. I think we are out of time, and uh, I would like to thank you and thank you, uh, you know, our our staff, and say that was a great presentation. You give a very nice overview of Brazil of the potential Cheers. in the market and is a very is a promising uh, market for sure and I'd like to thank you again and take our all, all our audience for for hearing your very wonderful presentation thank you very much thanks man thanks everyone i'll make sure this is
2: available for you
0: hope you enjoyed today's episode brought to you by the wine to wine business forum 2022 this year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on november 7th and 8th 2022 in verona italy remember the first early bird discount on tickets will be available until august 22nd for more information please visit us at wine 2 wine.net